a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Hello and welcome to the From the Rookery End short. This season, through these shorts, we're trying to get to know the wider Watford family. My name's John and last week, Mike and I caught up with Watford fan and author Dougie Brimson to chat about him and his books. That's coming up in a minute. Remember, you can subscribe to From the Rookery End podcast. All you need to do is go to iTunes and search for From the Rookery End and you will get every podcast, short or long, sent directly to your device. After the interview, Dougie was generous enough to give us two copies of his latest book on the wings of a sparrow to give away and if you listen very carefully to the podcast the answer is in there once you heard it go over to fromtherequin.com find our article about dougie brimson and enter the competition there thanks for listening thank you for subscribing and uh over to mike chatting with dougie right after watford's 2-0 home win against west ham just come out all the uh, all the fans are happy singing along 2-0 win at home to West Ham what would you make of that? Uh, I thought it was the best performance of the season I've seen so far I thought uh, right from start to finish front to back we bossed it really they didn't, look any, they didn't give us anything enough to worry about Now Dougie it's fair to say that you're a man of many talents is that right? You've been TV presenter a screenplay you do screenplay screenwriter don't you? Well yeah master of none I'd underline that with <laughs> I'm still trying to work it all out and also of course author he's one of the most prolific Watford fans, I think, when it comes to sort of creative output. Is that a fair way to put it? I'll take that. And we'll start with the most recent. You've got, uh, it's been out a little while now, hasn't it? Wings of a Sparrow that's been made into a, you're looking at turning that into a screenplay yeah, as well? We're, turning it, well we're, we're working on a TV version at the moment. Wings of a Sparrow. I wrote Wings of a Sparrow about the rivalry between Watford and Luton uh, initially, but Luton wouldn't let me use Luton in the book. Um, so I've had to change it to some two generic teams. But it's, it's basically about the rivalry, about one guy's obsession with his club and his hatred of another one and can we talk about your sort of your writing career and how that started off because your first books were with your brother weren't they if you talk us through just a sort of lifespan of your writing really I did 18 years in the air force and left the air force in 94 I'd never written anything before nor had Eddie and we just had an idea for a book one day did some graft on it that book was came out in 96 that was everywhere we go and um, we did four more books together well three books together so four I uh, made hard work of that sentence, really. Yeah, we did four <laughs> books together, and then uh, we went our separate ways, did our own stuff, and then I went off, and I've done... Uh, I'm working on number 16 now, so... A little insight into what number 16's all about? Uh, number 16 is a book called In The Know, and it's the third book in the um, the Crew and Top Dog saga. So it's uh, it brings the whole story of the, the central character, Billy Evans, up to date. If anyone's not read those books, what's, what are those that series of books about? Billy Evans, the initial book was, he's a hooligan, he was a hooligan leader, ironically, of West Ham we play today in the books. And um, the story is about his life and his rise to power and how he pushes his luck. And it's not so much, it's not as much a football book. I mean, people tag it as a hooligan book, which is fair enough, but hooliganism in itself isn't interesting. It's not, it, the hooliganism side of, of all the stories, even Green Street really, is a vehicle to drive the main story because it's, it's, it, all these books are all about the story. And you mentioned Green Street there. I think most people listening will have at least heard of it, if not seen it a couple of times. And you obviously wrote the screenplay for, for that. What's the difference writing a, a, like a novel or a book uh, to a screenplay? And, and, and how long and what's the process like of getting words on the page to on the, on the screen? Uh, it depends largely on how much I'm being paid. <laughs> um, but with a, they're two entirely different um, uh, mediums. With a book, you've, you've got a, the journey. The story is a, as much a journey as anything else. 
and you can take these guys anywhere you want to, and anything can happen to them. It's, that's all in your imagination. With a screenplay, you've got a, it, they're more dialogue based for obvious reasons and the story, I mean, I'll, I deliver a screenplay, but it's not my, whatever happens on screen is, is the director's version of my story. It's not my, you know, people blame me for Green Street and things in Top Dog and whatever. They're the directors, you know, it's the directors. You, you write a script basically in pencil. Do you, do you think the directors in those those two particular examples you gave there did a, did a good job with your screenplays? Uh, no comment. Okay, well, I think we can draw our own conclusions from there. It's a difficult thing to, you know, it's a, I, you have to try and convince them. Because when you write a screenplay, I, I see the film in my head. And I see the characters in my head. I know what I expect to see. Then when they come on board, they've got a different vision of it. And then they start bringing characters in. And it's a different person from the person you wrote the book for totally different like with top dog i wrote top dog was the second book about a guy i knew intimately i'd known him for 10 years i knew what he looked like what his family what he sounded like everything about this guy all of a sudden that guy is leo gregory and it really messes with your head to get to get around it, it took me a long long time but i'm not a you know i don't know any other authors really i don't go, mingle in those circles I, I write the books and films that i want to watch because the thing that drives me on is I'm going to sit there, you know, especially with a film, I'm going to sit there with Neil, who stood here with me, and if Neil says, yeah, that's all right, I know it's okay. If he says that's crap, then that's going to haunt me forever. And so I have to write with guys like Neil and all these guys who are out the Vic today. We talk about modern football and your journey as a, as a Watford supporter. How do you feel now compared to when you, do, when you started first going to Watford a couple of years ago now? Um, a couple of years ago, blimey, 1967. I genuinely think Watford is unique in football. I don't think there's a club that's gone through such a roller coaster, dating back to the pre-Elton days. Everything after it, the Harry Bassett days, you know, talk, I mean, ups and downs. There are a few clubs that had ups and downs. Pompey probably comes close to us. But what's going on now, I mean, I'm firmly, and have, have been, and Neil, me and Neil, we're firmly in, uh, in Pozzo's We Trust camp. And we were from day one, and we always thought that, they had the best interest of the club at heart and you just sit in that stadium now and you look around 180 degrees, not the, you know, the 120 it used to be, and you look at what's going on on the pitch and you say, thank God we've got those guys here. I mean, you, you've seen some sights in your time watching, watching football and there's a lot of, a lot of supporters, perhaps of, of teams who are now established in the Premier League, who are struggling to, to associate with it, struggling to afford it. There's the whole against modern football movement. How, how do you feel about that, having sort of basically lived football for, for so long? I'm a firm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the, the whole against modern football thing. I actually tweeted something about it this morning. My issue with some of it is, not all of it, but some of it is, you, you, football is an entertainment now. You know, and so, yeah, these guys get paid a lot of money. So does Lewis Hamilton get paid a money. So do all the actors on the West End get paid a lot of money. No one ever questions that. You know, it's a, we're being dri football's being driven by market forces. It's being driven by TV. We'd all be out there on that pitch giving half a chance. We'd all take the money they're off for giving half a chance. Where I have an issue is with things like, you know, £37 at Villa to, to go to Villa away when it should be £25. And this 25 for, you know, 25 for all movement is absolutely spot on. That's, that's vital. If we're going to create and continue growing like we are. But as Neil said earlier, if I don't take my season ticket next year, someone else is going to walk in and do it. And until that carries on, 
you know, as long as that carries on, football will continue to carry on like it is. I think you mentioned 60-70 you first started watching football, did you say? So if you could bring one thing from either Vicarage Road, from the club, from the team, from 67, from when you first started to now, what would you, what would you bring? Ticket prices. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the one thing I'd love to see, and I, you know, everyone who, everyone who experienced them will know, the one thing I would love to see brought back is the old football specials. I mean, I know there were hooligan vehicles in their day, but it was a different day. But can you imagine this lot travelling to Newcastle on a special? I mean, you know, Watford fans are pretty unique. And fair play to the 1881 guys. Everybody in football is acknowledging what they're doing, acknowledging that they're probably amongst the best travelling supporters in the Premiership by a distance. And, uh, and that's largely all down to one man. And that guy deserves an awful lot of credit at this club because he will go down as a legend, you know, eventually. And... As he should do. Yeah, he's dragged us kicking and screaming after that playoff final. I think we were all disappointed, weren't we? And he's uh, he's put his money and his, I, his efforts. I think, it, I think it was before that. I, I think there were a lot of people talking about. Um, I mean, you've you've like me, you've sat in there when the atmosphere has been so fat, and you do think, why do we bother? You know, and then all of a sudden you look in there now, and it's just it's a different world. It's amazing. So future plans, you've already talked about book number 16. What else have we got in the pipeline? I'm sure the stuff bubbling away. There is. I've got uh, book number 17 planned already um, and number 18. And I've also, I'm currently working on um, a film about a soldier in Afghanistan, which we're financing at the moment. That's all, more t- all to do with PTSD. And because I'm, a, as a veteran, I'm big on issues relating to the old veteran community and all the stuff that's going on at the moment. Yeah, I'm keeping busy. And where's the best way for, for Watford supporters to find your array of, uh, of work? You can find me at DougieBrimson.com, which is all one word. And follow me on Twitter if you like being abused, uh, at, on at Dougie Brimson. And finally, last word, so Watford going to stay up? On the evidence of today, I think we can be pushing for European football next year. And it must stay up. Magnificent. Dougie, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end.